This week's episode is actually a video. If you prefer to listen to the audio-only version, you can just keep listening to this right here and now. But if you want to watch the video, look in the show notes for a link or go to discomfortable.net. Getting Discomfortable with Mean Girls, Part 3. Shame is the real bitch. Regina, we have to talk to you. Is butter a carb? Yes. Gina, you're wearing sweatpants. It's Monday. So? So that's against the rules, and you can't sit with us. Whatever. Those rules aren't real. They were real that day I wore a vest. Because that vest was disgusting. You can't sit with us! Fine. You can walk home, bitches. That's where you're going, fat ass. <laughs> the fall of Regina George begins in earnest. When you keep people under your thumb like she has, the resentment builds and builds, and as soon as there is a crack in her armor, it comes flooding out from all directions, including her closest friends. And she even reveals how all of the rules she made up don't really exist. But for everyone else, they did, and the resentment is palpable. Gretchen and Karen followed me around all afternoon. Was I the new Queen Bee? This is what I call a status shift. When you live on the fictional hierarchy of human value, you're in a very precarious position because at any time, status can appear to shift. Why? Because it's made up. It's just based on people's opinions. She thinks she's going to have a party and not invite me? Who does she think she is? You're right, hon. I, like, invented her. You know what I mean? Oh! So when Regina starts to fall, someone else has to rise to the top. And it is Katie, of course. It's just the structure of the hierarchy. Someone has to fill that void, and Katie is next in line. So all of a sudden, with like a snap, Katie discovers that she is higher status. And it can be really shocking for people like Regina, who suddenly lose status, because nothing about them has really changed. And they start to see how arbitrary status really is, how you're just giving your sense of value, your sense of worth away to other people and at any time other people can change their mind thereby robbing you of your sense of worth of your sense of esteem oh god you dirty little liar i'm sorry i can explain explain how you forgot to invite us to your party janice i cannot stop this car i have a curfew you know i couldn't invite you i had to pretend to be plastic buddy you're not pretending anymore you're plastic cold shiny hard plastic curfew 1am it is now 110 you know what you're the one who made me like this so you could use me for your eighth grade revenge god see at least me and regina george know we're mean you try to act like you're so innocent like oh i used to live in africa with all the little birdies and the little monkeys you know what it's not my fault you're like in love with me or something what oh no she did not see that is with you plastics. You think that everybody is in love with you when actually everybody hates you. Like Aaron Samuels, for example, he broke up with Regina and guess what? He still doesn't want you. So why are you still messing with Regina, Katie? I'll tell you why. Because you are a mean girl. You're a bitch. Here, you can have this. It won a prize. 
What we discover in this moment is that Katie is no better than Regina. Once she has bought into Shame's hierarchical thinking, once she has allowed her threat response to start dictating her actions, she has become a bitch, a mean girl. She has become cruel. She has completely lost sight of her values and integrity, why she was doing all of this in the first place, who really matters to her. So it's not that Katie is better or worse than Regina. It's a mindset. It's a culture. It's a system that we buy into, allowing shame to control us and allowing our instinctive reactions to shame to tell us what to do. That is what turns us into a bitch. And it could happen to anyone. Made out with a hot dog. Oh my God, that was one time. Don Schweitzer has a huge ass? Who would write that? Who wouldn't write that? Trey Pack made out with Coach Carr? And so did Sun Jin Din. <laughs> Violence expert Dr. James Gilligan believes that all physical violence stems from shame. It was full tilt jungle madness. <laughs> And it wasn't going away. Because shame is so directly tied to fight or flight, to our survival instincts, it really feels when we're disrespected in certain situations, like our life is over, like we're going to die sad and alone, which is worse than just dying. Mom, can, can you pick me up? I'm scared. Did you write this? No, I swear. Then you told somebody. She told. You little bitch. You're a bitch. Physical violence is an attempt to regain our sense of dignity, our sense of respect. We can quickly gain a sense of respect by creating fear. But of course, it doesn't last. And this scene, humorous and over-the-top as it is, dramatizes how shame leads to real violence. Have you ever walked up to people and realized they were just talking about you? Have you ever had it happen 60 times in a row? I have. Never in my 14 years as an educator have I seen such behavior. Shame. And from young ladies. Shame. Now what we're going to try to do is fix the way you young ladies relate to each other. Okay? Lady to lady. More shame. So who has a lady problem that they like to talk about? He's just shaming them even more. Yes. Somebody wrote in that book that I'm lying about being a virgin because I use super jumbo tampons, but I can't help it if I've got a heavy flow and a wide set vagina. Yeah, I can't do this. Even more shame. Miss Norberry. There's this rule in Western society that says men do not have to put up with or know anything about menstruation, that it is just 100% not a man's job to have to talk about it, think about it, look at it, know about it, anything. It is such bullshit, and it is so shaming, and it lowers women to some kind of lower status on the fictional hierarchy of human value. And this is just propagating that even further. There has to be something that you can say to these young ladies, something to help them with their self-esteem. It's not a self-esteem problem. I think they're all pretty pleased with themselves. 
Even though someone like Regina and the other plastics may appear to have a lot of self-esteem, they may be cocky, they may know that they're hot and popular, the truth is that their esteem is based on status. It is not true self-esteem at all. Because as we've seen with Regina, as soon as that status starts to falter, they completely lose their sense of worth and they have to fight viciously to get it back. So just because someone seems really pleased with themselves does not mean that they have self-esteem. If they had real self-esteem, they wouldn't need status and hierarchy to prop up their self-worth in the first place. <sighs> okay. Okay. Uh, everybody close your eyes. Right. I want you to raise your hand if you have ever had a girl say something bad about you behind your back. Open your eyes. Now, close your eyes again. And this time, I want you to raise your hand if you have ever said anything about a friend behind her back. Open them. Uh, it's been some girl-on-girl -girl crime here. This is actually a very smart approach. What she is essentially doing is toppling the hierarchy. She is creating a sense of equality by showing everyone how similar they all are, how they share the same problems, the same hopes, the same dreams. The popular girls aren't happier per se or better per se. They're struggling with these issues just as much as the unpopular girls. It brings everyone down onto an equal playing field. And once again, it creates that interconnected group feeling, that belonging on steroids. Miss Norbury had us confront each other directly about the things that were bothering us. And it seemed like every clique had its own problems. You've been acting really stuck up ever since you switched to short fielder. And Don agrees with me. Don? Don't drag me into this. I'm pitching tomorrow. And by finally airing and working through all of the gossip and backstabbing in a public forum, it gets rid of the secrecy that hides shame. Brene Brown says that shame thrives on silence, secrecy, and judgment. If you can actually talk about those things that you're usually too ashamed to say, then shame loses its power because you discover that lots of different people struggle with the exact same thing. It helps create that sense of equality and it invites empathy, which is one of the most powerful antidotes to shame. When shame says you are different, bad, and alone, Empathy says, you're not different at all. We're the same, which means you're not alone. We're in this together. And we can't all be bad. We must be normal. Okay, so we're all here because of this book, right? Well, I don't know who wrote this book, but you all have got to stop calling each other sluts and whores. It just makes it okay for guys to call you sluts and whores. Even though earlier in the film, the film itself seemed to imply judgment towards girls who dress slutty on Halloween. In fact, in little ways throughout the film, the film actually shames its audience. A number of times this happens. And I know that shame itself is the basis of most humor, especially in this film, so it's extremely hard to avoid shaming someone while trying to be funny. Believe me, I have tried. But it's worth also remembering that this film itself is kind of part of the problem. Who here has ever been called a slut? Okay, everybody up. 
Miss Norbury had us write out apologies to people that we'd hurt in our lives. Alyssa, I'm sorry I called you a gap-toothed bitch. It's not your fault you're so gap-toothed. Laura, I don't hate you because you're fat. You're fat because I hate you. I just wish we could all get along like we used to in middle school. I wish that I could bake a cake made out of rainbows and smiles and we'd all eat and be happy. She doesn't even go here. Do you even go to this school? No. Oh my God, it's her dream come true, diving into a big pile of girls. Shame. <laughs> okay, yeah, um, I've got an apology. So, I have this friend who is a new student this year, and I convinced her that it would be fun to mess up Regina George's life. So, I had her pretend to be friends with Regina, and then she would come to my house after, and we would just laugh about all the dumb stuff Regina said. And uh, we gave her these candy bar things that would make her gain weight, and we turned her best friends against her. And then, uh, oh yeah, Katie, you know my friend Katie, she, uh, she made out with Regina's boyfriend and then convinced him to break up with her. Oh, God, and we, we gave you foot cream instead of face wash. God, I am so sorry, Regina. Really, I, I don't know why I did it. I guess it's probably because I've got a big lesbian crush on you. Suck on that! And so Janice finally gets her revenge on Regina. And how does she do it? Well, of course, public shaming. It's satisfying. It's cathartic. Does Regina deserve it? Probably. Is it going to make things any better? Definitely not. Using shame to fight shame is like using fire to fight fire. It just exacerbates the problem. It creates a new hierarchy. It creates a new form of dominance and oppression. And of course, it's very tempting because shamed people shame people. It's built right into our threat response. It is the attack reflex once again. This is Janice attacking Regina using a shame back strategy. So it is keeping everyone stuck in their threat response once again. It is keeping their logical, compassionate, empathetic prefrontal cortex offline. And here, Regina is emotionally triggered. Her heart is probably pounding, her face is flushed, her eyes are watering, and just like Katie at Halloween, she probably feels like her stomach is going to fall out of her butt. She is in shame at this very moment, and it is pushing her directly into her threat response. She feels that she is under attack. She is being publicly humiliated. And just like Katie on Halloween, her first response is going to be her flight reflex. She's going to withdraw, but then she's going to change strategies on a dime and go into denial, rebelling against her shame. And finally, just like Katie, she's going to go into fight mode, into attack using a shame back strategy. She is going to take the horrible shame that she feels in this moment and throw it right in Katie's face. And it is a perfect example of why using shame to fight shame is such a bad strategy. 
Regina shames Janice. Janice shames Regina. Regina shames Katie. Katie shames Regina. Regina shames Karen. Karen shames Gretchen. Gretchen shames Katie. Katie shames Regina. Regina shames Janice. It just goes on and on. An endless cycle of reactivity. An infinite pinball game of shame. Regina, wait, I didn't mean for that to happen. To find out that everyone hates me, I don't care. Regina, please. Regina, stop! Do you know what everyone says about you? They say that you're a homeschooled jungle freak who's a less hot version of me. Yeah, so don't try to act so innocent. You can take that fake apology and shove it right up your hairy... But I don't want to demonize shame. It's not actually shame's fault. Shame's just trying to keep us alive. Shame doesn't realize we live in a totally different modern world than it thinks we do. Shame is just doing its job. And in fact, it's not shame itself that is the problem. It's the way that these girls are choosing to react to their shame. The way that they are hiding it, denying it, running from it, and sliding right into their threat response. Every time they try not to feel shame, they are doing exactly what shame wants them to do. So what we could all do to avoid being controlled by shame is just to feel it and be honest about it. With nothing to lose, Katie does the quote-unquote right thing by admitting to her mistake. Mr. Duval, I wrote it. As I've said in other episodes, I don't think honesty is the right thing to do in some kind of moral sense. I think it's the right thing to do because it leads to the most well-being. Being honest allows you to move on, and the people who stand by you in your complete honesty create a feeling of connection and belonging that is so much more pleasant than any kind of superficial connection or belonging that you get by pretending to be something you're not, by just trying to fit in, by just conforming with the group. So by being honest, Katie is opening herself up to be fully accepted, maybe not right away, but at some point. People will truly see her, her full, imperfect self, warts and all. And when they do accept her, she will know that they are accepting the real her. And that means that she really, truly belongs. You nervous? Yes. Don't be. You can do this. There's nothing to break your focus because not one of those Marymount boys is cute. See, this is one of those moments I was talking about, where the film shames the audience. Anyone who's watching this who may not be quote-unquote cute by conventional Western standards is going to feel shame in this scene, and it's unnecessary. And I think all of us have to take some time to look at the way that we communicate, look at the way we make jokes, look at who we make fun of, and think about how that is creating shame. Miss Carolyn Craft seriously needed to pluck her eyebrows. Her outfit looked like it was picked out by a blind Sunday school teacher. And she had some 99 cent lip gloss on her snaggle tooth. And that's when I realized, making fun of Carolyn Craft wouldn't stop her from beating me in this contest. Contestants, find the limit of this equation. Calling somebody else fat won't make you any skinnier. Calling someone stupid doesn't make you any smarter. And ruining Regina George's life definitely didn't make me any happier. All you can do in life is try to solve the problem in front of you. I think there's a lot of wisdom here. 
Katie is wrestling with these binaries, good, bad, right, wrong, attractive, unattractive, cool, uncool, popular, unpopular, all of which are hierarchical. One has more value than the other. And she's realizing that they don't actually improve her life in any way. To buy into it doesn't really mean it is real. She's starting to see the value of equality and non-judgment. If everything is equal, if there is no binary or hierarchy where one choice is better than the other, then the whole shame house of cards comes tumbling down. Comparison ends. Gossip doesn't matter as much. You don't need to backstab someone because your value isn't predicated on being better than anyone else. You just decide, hey, you know what? I have value simply because I'm a human who exists, which means that everyone else has that exact same value because they are humans that exist. The limit does not exist. The limit does not exist. Our new state champions, the North Shore Mathletes. That means we cannot make ourselves better than, we cannot worry that we're lesser than. It's a really hard concept to wrap our head around because we've been conditioned to believe something completely different, and shame literally makes us feel like we are lesser sometimes. But when you truly embrace equality, your sense of value comes from within, from your own internal logic. You are the one who gets to decide, and it is so freeing, and it allows everyone else to have value as well, because they are all equal. And your spring queen, queen, Katie Heron. Where is Katie? There she is. Wow, thanks. Um, you know, it's not really required of you to make a speech. I'm almost done, I swear. To uh, all the people whose feelings that got hurt by the burn book, I'm really sorry. You know, I've never been to one of these things before. And when I think about how many people wanted this and how many people cried over it and stuff, I mean, I think everybody looks like royalty tonight. Look at Jessica Lopez. That dress is amazing. And Emma Gerber, I mean, that hairdo must have taken hours, and you look really pretty. I've always loved Emma Gerber, and I love the message here. Once again, it's all about equality. So, why is everybody stressing over this thing? I mean, it's just plastic. It's really just... Share it. A piece for Gretchen Wieners, a partial spring fling queen. A piece for Janice Ian. Seriously, most people just take the crown and go. And a piece for Regina George. She fractured her spine and she still looks like a rock star. Thank you. And some for everybody else. It's about breaking down the hierarchical systems in our lives and in our communities and breaking down the hierarchies in our mind, created and enforced by shame. God, Mr. Duvall, can you wrap it up? Thanks. 
I just wanted to say that you're all winners. And I could not be happier that this school year is ending. Shame.